When it comes to digital forensics, book study can only take you so far. You're starting to sweat a little because the exam is coming up and you know you need some uninterrupted time to learn by working with real digital forensics tools. I'm happy to say that Amber Schroeder, CEO of Paraben, is going to tell you how to quickly and inexpensively set up your own home digital forensics lab. It's a cyberwork hack. Welcome to a new series of short videos from InfoSec. The purpose is to give you quick, clear, and actionable answers to the questions that you have about learning cybersecurity. So today's guest is InfoSec skills author and Paraben founder and CEO, Amber Schroeder. Uh, Amber's main episodes of our CyberWork podcast, she's done two so far, plus a bonus, uh, are among our very most popular uh, episodes on the site. Uh, and today, Amber is going to walk us through uh, something that I think a lot of you are going to be interested in, setting up your own home digital forensics lab. Welcome, Amber. Thanks for having me. Uh, so Amber, what are the main tasks uh, one can do or practice with one's own digital forensics lab? Yeah, how does setting up your own lab help you with your learning or study or practice of digital forensics? I think it gives you an immediate experience point um, because a lot of times it's hard to get into the point where you're doing field work in an organization. And perhaps if you do consulting on the side, this lets you actively apply what you're practicing in a regular job. I always heard that you don't make your primary retirement in your job. It's what you do after hours that really kind of makes that impact. And you can do that with a digital forensic lab at home. It's just a lot of people don't think they can put it together. Right. So this, this is something you can realistically create at home then. Is this something like how much space or resources does something like this require? It's really just about having a private home office. And I say that it would be very difficult to do it probably. Hey, it's part of my bedroom. Um, right. You start losing a little bit of integrity there. But if you have a private separate room that is your home office, you can maintain proper chain of custody. You can maintain all of your evidence and you can still keep your equipment separate. So you know that you're able to maintain the best practices, which is what we have in digital forensics. It's a little different than some of the other InfoSec areas. Okay. So this is definitely not a, I can do it on mom's kitchen table kind of thing. You do need your own dedicated area. You do need a dedicated area. Absolutely. You need somewhere you can actually secure it. I think one of the first things you buy is actually a safe, believe it or not. Um, mm. It doesn't have to be huge, but you have to have somewhere where you can put your evidence to control it when you aren't physically with it. Got it. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about the, the, the safe and the other parts of it. What are the, <laughs> what are the bare bones, essential pieces of hardware uh, and software that you would need to set up a digital forensics lab of your own? And can you give me a sense of like how much it would cost for a basic sure. setup like this? Well, a safe, hey, it's a perfect time to get them on the sales as you don't need anything really large, but you need to be able to fit whatever type of evidence you're processing in phones, um, hard drives, etc, as well as what you process too. So your copies need to go in there as well. For what you actually need physical equipment, you need a separate machine. So you need a machine that you function as a human being on you do your email, and then you have to have one dedicated to forensics, Got depending it. what you're doing with that will change how powerful that machine needs to be, of course. I also like using virtual machines. I think they're a fantastic way to do forensics when you're on a budget uh, because you can keep all your evidence inside that virtual machine, which is a bonus to it. You need mm -hmm. software. There's some good open source platforms. There's good purchase platforms. And then if you're doing computers, you really need write blockers. If you're doing phones, you need something that you can do as a Faraday cage. And my budget-friendly Faraday cage is going to um, Goodwill or other type thrift stores and buying an old microwave oven, cut the cord off the back, and it is a Faraday cage. Wow. No fact. I know it's like $10 Faraday cage, but who doesn't want a $10 Faraday cage? Yeah. Can you, can you talk more about that? What is, what is that? Uh, uh, how does that work? 
So a Faraday cage really is just to block all the signals going into it. When you process smartphones mm. and any type of mobile devices, you've got to control the signal with the device. So that's the best way to store it. Even though it's powered off, you never know what's going to happen. So you want to make sure you're maintaining that best chain of custody. And a great way to do it is that microwave. Just remember to cut off the power cord because someone accidentally has, of course, put it in there. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, you know. And then there was a fire and it was bad. That's a bad oh, lab yeah. practice. So, okay. yeah. And and again, just to reiterate, uh, you you made it clear, but I want to make sure I understand. Like, uh, if you're doing digital forensics at home with your own lab, you have to be doing it on a system that does not intersect with your personal computer work. And does it have to be sort of like cut off from like <laughs> Wi-Fi, the internet, and everything? No, you can keep it on the internet nowadays. Okay. Uh, tactics have changed, so you can do that. You think of how mobiles work, and you have to get new drivers, things like that. Um, if I'm actually working on an active examination, I might disconnect for the internet for that time period while I'm doing my analytics, that type of Got thing. It. But it's not quite the cone of silence level it used to be back in the day. Now yeah. you have a little bit more flexibility. Are there any like tools or upgrades that you would consider uh, as like upgrades, if you feel like you have like the bare bones one, you you got the you know you got the cordless micro microwave and all the all the pieces <laughs> uh, for stage one. If you feel like you're getting really good at it, are there things that uh, like make it easier or more convenient uh, if you have a little extra money to spend? I think going going to getting a disk duplicator that obviously is nice because it has a lot more of the automated price process with it. Okay. Um, some of those allow you remote examinations, which is fantastic, especially where everyone is kind of everywhere. Um, but I would upgrade my software and I know it's lame. I always upgrade my RAM. You can never have too much yeah. RAM in a machine. I really, truly believe that. I agree. Yeah. 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 Uh, so without showing a physical walkthrough here, what are the basic steps to get all of this hardware and software connected and, and running smoothly? So the biggest parts is I actually keep two separate workstations in my lab. They don't have to be big. Mm -hmm. um, I take old kitchen tables, whatever it may be, because um, I like to make sure when I'm doing forensics, I'm focused on that. Not, hey, let me go answer this email, do anything like that. I kind of switch back and forth. So I like an L configuration. I keep all of my stuff uh, cataloged. And I also have a camera, which I didn't mention earlier. But when I do evidence intake, I always make sure I take photos of everything because I want to document everything. Uh, yeah. That's a big part of digital forensics that's different from the rest of InfoSec is we have to take a lot of notes because we is want to make it, sure is we're this, not Is, is it like a standalone digital camera or a phone camera? Yeah, I have, I have one that's actually on an arm. It's connected to the table and mm. I have a, an orange pad that sits underneath it that's actually uh, part of a yoga mat. They're great because okay. they're soft. It's great to put evidence on it. It's not going to damage it. Right. And I just take pictures as it comes in because I've got my date timestamps, everything else, and all comes apart as chain of custody. Uh, so what's the first thing you would do with a basic digital forensic lab once you got it set up? Can you suggest a first project that you could use to get your hands dirty? Um, I always like your first project to make sure you're practicing all of your proper handling and everything else mm. is I always did my kids. I made sure all of my equipment was working based on uh, processing through a family member, never your spouse or significant other that gets really kind of awkward. So, yeah. Yeah, but I, I do my kids stuff. So it, I process it that same way. I said, here's the receipt. Make sure if I'm doing it at home, everyone knows when something comes in via FedEx or UPS and it's marked as digital evidence that they're not handling it. They're not opening it because it's kind of training the people you're working with if you are doing it at home. So it's getting yeah. everyone used to that workflow. Gotcha. Uh, so as we wrap up here, do you have any uh, tips for our listeners who are uh, wanting to get started and make the most out of their new digital forensics labs? 
I think that they also need to work on paperwork. I know that's the silly mm. part no one ever talks about, but you've got to have a set chain of custody, a letter of engagement, um, all the different protections that you put in place. And usually a lot of different organizations, I myself share mine with others because, um, again, we don't all have to fund lawyers. We might as well share. Yeah. All right. So for our listeners who are ready to get back to their studies uh, with their new tools uh, and their um, and their new lab here, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just mention that uh, you can find more of Amber Schroeder on the InfoSec Skills platform. So uh, if you go look for our digital forensics uh, section, you will find Amber's work all over there. So Amber, uh, thank you again for your time and insights today. Thank you very much. Uh, and thank you all for watching this episode. This is the first, uh, this is the early, oh, for the love of God. This is the start of an ongoing series of videos and we have lots more to come. So make sure to subscribe and check back. And until then, we'll see you soon. Hey, if you're worried about choosing the right cybersecurity career, click here to see the 12 most in-demand cybersecurity roles. I asked experts working in the field how to get hired and how to do the work of these security roles so you can choose your study with confidence. I'll see you there. How about some free cybersecurity training resources for you and your team? Just go to infosecinstitute.com slash free to get ebooks, training guides, and more than 100 cybersecurity training courses, all free for cyber work listeners. Go to infosecinstitute.com slash free and start learning crucial new skills today.